0: Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers. Thanks for listening in. Today I am going to be talking about narcissism and I'm going to do it in two parts. I didn't feel like one 15 minute summary was enough and probably two 15 minute summaries are not enough, but that's what we're going to do. So the word narcissism actually comes from the Greek, from Greek mythology there was a man named Narcissus, actually um, a young lad named Narcissus, and he was born with exceptional gifts, exceptional beauty, uh, and just everything about him. He had a hunting prowess, and he was known throughout the land. When he came to puberty, Uh, young women and young men all just fell in love with him and there was a particular little wood nymph named Echo and everywhere he went she would follow him and she would echo what he was saying but he hid behind a glassy pride and he was very heartless. He he was isolated. He didn't open his heart in empathy to any others to care for them because really no one was worthy of his love. So one time Echo had asked him to embrace, um, for an embrace. And he said, I'd rather die than embrace you. He was so emotionally cut off from others and without an ability to connect in a healthy way without empathy. So one day he was out hunting and he got thirsty and he knelt down uh, uh, beside a pool of water. And when he did, he caught sight of himself in the water. He didn't realize it was him, but he caught sight of himself and he saw this great beauty reflected back at him and he fell hopelessly in love. finally someone who is worthy of my love after a while he realized he was looking at his own image trapped in this mirror trapped in this idealized image of himself just staring at his image longing to possess it uh, and knowing he could not and he was unable to move so he wasted away and died there and Um, Now we, a legend is that a a flower came up in its place, a beautiful little flower we call the Narcissus. So this myth kind of captures the essence of narcissism, of self-absorption and lack of empathy for others. It's only looking at the self, only thinking about the self, only admiring our own idealized image, and in love with that image and unable to move away from it into healthy relationships with others, unable to respond to Echo who wanted an embrace, unable to see what mattered to other people. And that's really what someone with advanced narcissism is like. So smitten with their own image that they're not empathetic, and they don't recognize what others are thinking and feeling and where they're hurting and what they're needing because they're so interned. So people who are narcissistic really live in a world where they're the center of that world. Now, this is typical in our adolescence. We're very interned, we're the center of our world, but in adolescence, that's a period of time where we're saying, you know, who am I, what am I to be? We're looking at things like that. So we are interned and we go hopefully through that period into adulthood where we establish an identity, but we're able to reach out and identify with others and care about others. But a narcissistic person is actually not a mature person at all. Oh, they may be m- mature you know, intellectually, but they are very emotionally immature. They're really stuck in adolescence without a solid core of who they are a person like that was Haman if you remember in the book of Esther and he was so proud and he, you know he had this image and he was going to be second in land to the king but he ended up being hanged on the gallows he built for another and that's what happens in narcissism we end up hanging on the gallows that we have built and really our whole western culture is turned this way So, excuse me, narcissism is a self-protective defense against a shame core. And shame and pride are two sides of the same coin. And so when you look at someone who's narcissistic, the shame may not show, in fact, just the opposite. But really that's what's in the core. A person is imprisoned in their shame. So our family of origin is really the cradle of our future. So often in a family of origin, um, a narcissist starts developing because they've never felt like they had a place that they belonged. They were never adequately loved and affirmed. And so then they develop this fear, I won't belong and a fear of just being ordinary. Yeah. So as a child, if I was attuned to, if I was noticed, if I was cared for, if my emotions and thoughts mattered, uh, I can develop, but if I don't have that, I feel very empty and insignificant. And so now as an adult, it's like, I can't get enough. Um, when we're unaffirmed, we remain very self-centered and interned and you know, desperate for attention and affirmation from others. So a narcissist feels unloved and ashamed. And so now they're trying to uh, really shower love on themselves, but instead they have a lot of self-hatred and they're trying to get others to shower attention and love on them to overcome their emptiness and self-hatred, but no one else can do that for us. So this has a lot to do with soul wounds. The old wounds in our soul from our past has a lot to do with shame, and it has a lot to do with personal choices as to whether we're going to mature or not. The other side of this in Family of Origin, uh, in the development of a narcissist, is if they were too coddled, if they were made too much of and given too much power in the family, so they're really over-affirmed, but they never feel truly capable because they never had to struggle and really mature. It was done for them. So in the child and teen years is when this starts developing and it's it's usually connected to some painful memories, uh, but often those are outside our awareness. So we end up developing a coping style that perpetuates our pain automatically because we become obedient servants to our own coping mechanisms. We really do. And it's a really lonely place that narcissists inhabit. So in the core, in the inner being, narcissists are empty, they're shame filled and they're fragile and they're trying to get admiration from others to overcome that shame. So, Uh, The narcissist then is constantly looking for what's called their supply, a supply. And if you're that supply, if they have attached to you as their supply, they become very demanding and you can never give them enough. You can never be enough for them, nor, nor should you be. So their, their primary supply is they want fame and admiration and flattery and celebrity and perceived success and a lot of affirmation. Their secondary supply is their partner or their spouse, their children, friends, business associates, church, colleagues, and so on, because they look to these things to make themselves feel better. They wanna keep their supply intact and they feel very threatened when their supply isn't giving them what they want. And so if you're the partner, um, what's gonna happen is that, um, nine and a half. Right. So if you're the partner, what's gonna happen is because of their demands on you, you will decrease if you don't have a healthy core. So often there's a deep fear that they have that their needs won't be met. Okay, stop. So if you're the partner because of their demands on you, you will decrease if you don't have a healthy core. Narcissists have a deep fear that their needs won't be met, but they lack a self-knowing about what they're actually doing to themselves and others. And they hide their insecurities, believing that if they hide that no one can humiliate them and shame them. But what they end up doing is forfeiting real joy in the process. So narcissists really exist on a continuum, by the way, We all have some narcissism because we've all been born into sin, but uh, a moderate narcissist would be blaming because when we feel shame, we tend to push it away as blame. They would be dismissing, disrespectful, callous, unaware of how much they demand from others, how little empathy they have, how much they center on themselves. But a perilous narcissist would have uh intense anger maybe even be uh, volatile and violent they would lack true guilt unwilling to change contemptuous they may be aggressive and that's where you need to be concerned for your safety i have a friend who's a counselor and he just says if you're with the perilous narcissist run all right more on the characteristics of narcissism One I mentioned, very self-absorbed, incurved in on They, There is a false, inflated, idealized view of the self, but there's no real self-acceptance and a real appropriate self-love. There's a very insecure sense of self. Uh, It's like King Saul, he was king, he was handsome. He had a lot of skill and aptitude but within he was very insecure and that drove his jealousy fits of jealousy and you know when we're centered in our own universe it, there is self-hatred but if we don't love ourselves we're going to be very narcissistic if we haven't come to self-acceptance the second thing is there's a grandiose and these kind of all overlap but there's a grandiose sense of self-importance so a uh, person with narcissism is going to have these fantasies about unlimited love and success and status. They're not willing to be an ordinary human being. Uh, they think they're special and entitled and feel like everyone else should see that too and cater to them and not tell them no. Uh, that Otherwise, that other person is the problem. So they really need to be admired. And we see this in Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar had an enormous statue of himself built so that he could be worshiped, but he actually ended up going crazy and living out in, in uh, nature as a wild beast. So vainglory is actually the biblical word for that. To be healthy, we need a sound view of ourselves. Paul said this in Romans 12:3. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment. So we need to be able to clearly acknowledge: I am both sinner and saint. Both live, and I get to choose which I'm gonna do, but I have to be humble enough to be able to admit to both. I don't idealize myself, nor do I degrade myself. Third is this lack of empathy, as I mentioned. Uh, It's just about how they feel and what they think and not what others need. So you're, if you're in relationship with them, you're the object, you're their supply and for their demand. And so there's no real intimacy at all. Uh, a perfect example of narcissism, it was Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. You remember her? It was all about her world. There was no imp- intimacy, there was no empathy, and everybody around her suffered and either came under that or ran from it. So what what is empathy? Well, it's really a tuning in to another, it's a sense a felt sense of the other person. Um, Narcissists are very competent at never seeming to understand and getting your point and never feeling your pain. And you end up feeling crazy trying to explain it all, but they're playing games. They make you doubt yourself. They make you wanna resign. They make you feel intimidated. They have a multitude of maneuvers and manipulations and they set you up to feel intimidated, to feel responsible for them, to feel ashamed and confused and powerless and hopeless. So they minimize their bad behavior, justify and excuse it and blame you and then exploit others, obviously. They may even lie pathologically without regard for others. They so twist the truth about things and about themselves. And they are also are very competitive. They want to win. They have set that in their sights, whether it's obvious or not. So they're always justifying themselves. The fourth thing is this core sense of entitlement. They expect favorable treatment and compliance from those around them who are their supply. They expect special treatment. They're entitled to take but they don't feel like they have to give. All right, I'm gonna stop right there and I'm gonna pick this up next time in part two.